Amen. Amen. The sufficiency of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Second Corinthians chapter 3. From verse 5. Once more, I would encourage you to take notes. Or just listen. That also helps. The Bible says... Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. Verse 6. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. That's the NIV version. I want to read that from the New King James Version also. And the Bible says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. My point of emphasis is verse 5, which says, our sufficiency comes from God. Tell your neighbor, your sufficiency, it comes from God. You know, Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth here. And by this time, these people would have witnessed the great and mighty things that God had been doing in the lives or through the lives of his ministers. Amen? Such as Paul. What do I mean by God working through them? Well, these were men that walked in signs and wonders. These were men that were able to unravel the mysteries of the scriptures. These were men that were able to demystify the things that appear cryptic in the word of God and make make it so simple for everyone to understand. I've, I've searched and I've studied the, the ministry of Paul and I've discovered that the essence of his ministry was to bring the believers to a certain standard of maturity. And there are two things that are very key in Paul's ministry from my studies. If you find out more, I will be blessed by your revelation. But so far, what I've been able to discover is that this was a man that God had given the ability to demystify the mysteries of God. Amen. This was a man who was able to put things in such a way that can enable all of us to understand. And not just that, like I said, he also walked in signs and wonders. You know, he spoke once upon a time in one of the churches and he said, I didn't come to you with enticing words. Amen. I didn't come to you with or in the eloquence of speech. But I came in the demonstration of power. So he understood what that meant. But despite all of that, because that's not where I'm going, despite 
the, the reality of what Paul was able to do in his ministry, and not just Paul, um, there were so many other people, he still finds it necessary to let them know that not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. What he's saying is, ladies and gentlemen, the signs and wonders that you have been witnessing with your very own eyes, the ability to expound the word of God so that you can understand. It was not because I'm able. There's nothing in him that causes him to be able to do that. He doesn't leave us in that dark. He continues and he says, um, but our sufficiency is from God. You know, there's one thing that I, I believe we, we as believers and a people wanting to become more like Christ, we should um, um, ask God to help us in, which is to help us understand or come to the point where you realize that your strength or what you deem to be your strength is actually incapable of helping you to amount to anything. It's never about you. It's never about what you can do necessarily. It's about what God can do to you to enable you to do. Is that making sense to anyone? It's about the empowerment, the enablement of the Spirit of God. It's the enablement of God himself. But I want us to define a few things so that we can kind of understand a bit what Paul is trying to tell us here. So I've written down a few definitions which I feel will bless you. What does he mean when he's talking about sufficiency? What's that all about? What's that referring to? And I, uh, the definition that I have here was that to be, to be sufficient is to have that which is adequate enough for the purpose intended. I say that again. To have that which is adequate enough for the purpose intended. In other words, you can have an amount of something, but what would determine that you are able to follow through with that very thing is the extent to which you have that thing. Is that making sense to anyone? Let's bring that to our, you know, everyday life. If assuming, you know, there are some things that me, I wouldn't be able to lift necessarily. Not because I'm not strong. Listen, don't get deceived by this delicate frame of mind. <laughs> Very delicate frame, you know. But when we lift the speakers, they don't know what we do with these speakers. <laughs> they don't understand, you know. This thing, huh? Move the mountains for sure. But you know, with that being said, you should see how sometimes I struggle with that thing there when I'm carrying it by myself. That doesn't mean I'm not strong. Don't forget that, because I can lift it. I can even walk with it. But another brother can come in and lift that thing as if it was nothing. Is that making sense to anyone? The reason why he's able to go above and beyond what I am also able to do is because he has 
an ample amount of that strength that we both have. Did you not hear when the Bible was saying how, how God anointed Jesus Christ? You know, one time I was reading, I was thinking, what does that even mean? Why don't you just start the sentence by saying, God anointed Jesus, you know? And we understand that. But it says how he anointed him. In other words, the extent to which Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing signs and wonders, healing all them that were oppressed of the devil. You know? This is what the scripture is saying. It says how he anointed him. Not that he was anointed. It would have been enough for, 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 for uh, the right of Acts to have just said that. That Jesus was anointed by God. We understand that English. But he says how that he was anointed. There's a dimension of grace. Which is where my topic is going tonight. Because very soon I'll define for you in more depth, what this sufficiency that Paul is referring to actually is. Amen? You know, you discover very quickly, some of you might be familiar with this, probably in your current walk with God, and for you who are, I say, have just kind of began this walk in Christ, you will also experience this at some point. A time will always come when you will realize that you need sufficient amount of grace to be able to carry on with this very journey. How is it that a man named Elijah, a man so anointed by God, called down fire from heaven, you know, he contested against the prophets of Baal, you know, he finished them all. And then shortly thereafter, he's running for his life. Not just that, he falls asleep under a terebinth tree. And then the Bible says how the angel of the Lord came and tapped him and said, wake up. Take this bread, drink this water. He even fell asleep again. He woke him up again. He asked him to eat. And then my, my, my favorite part of that whole scripture was that the fact that Elijah walked and oh, he ran in the strength of that food for 40 days. So it wasn't necessarily that Elijah wanted to give up necessarily, no. I don't think a great and mighty man of God would want to just all of a sudden abandon everything. There comes a time where you need a supplement, you would call it, you need a quickening. You need God to empower you to be able to carry on with this journey. How many times have you fallen flat on your face as a believer? Not that you don't love God. But that day when you fell short, you thought this was the end of it all. It wasn't because you were the worst of sinners, no. And neither was it because you don't love God. More often than not, it's not even your fault. More often than not, it's not even your fault. All you need is for God to bestow grace upon you that will enable you to stand once more 
and continue in the strength of that grace. Amen. If you're still with me, just say amen. You know, so this is what this is what Elijah was doing. And um, it's very true that you can trace the results of any man to the sufficiency that they have upon their lives. Very true. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 2. I want to now define what the sufficiency is. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 2. This is NIV. It says, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And I'll read also from the New King James Version. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I want to stop at grace and peace be multiplied. What Peter is trying to get us to understand is that Grace can be multiplied. Amen? Grace can be multiplied. And this is very key for someone who's probably sitting here thinking, this is all that I have. I haven't yet been able to push past this level that I'm currently at in God. Someone is sitting here thinking, when will I ever break into the next level of prayer? You feel like you've just... Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. And, and you've come to the point where that's not edifying you no more. You want to you, you travail in prayer is what I'm talking about. But any time you try, you, you just end up falling asleep. How many times have you purposed and desired in your heart to wake up early enough to spend time with God? Great desire, great zeal. But the manifestation of it, you're finding that very difficult. Does that mean you don't love God? Does that mean you backslided? What's the main reason behind that? That's the question that I want you to be asking yourself tonight. Please understand one thing tonight, that it's not always your fault. Tell your neighbor that. It's not always your fault. Ask them, did they believe that? And what are they saying? If their face looks suspect, just let them know. It's not always your fault. Amen? So if you're writing down, you're taking notes. I want to define what grace means. Grace is the name given to every good and perfect gift that is given only by God routed through the Christ I'll break that down I said grace is the name given to every good and perfect gift that is given only by God which is routed through the Christ and the name given to the sufficiency that God provides for men is called grace Paul talking about sufficiency, sufficiency. The name for that sufficiency he is referring to is grace. Grace is the enablement of God to help 
every man or woman in Christ to be able to carry out his will and purposes. It's important that I define what grace is because when you go out there, there are a lot of definitions these days, you know. Some have made it to seem as though grace is a license for sin. And that's all grace ever is. The fact that you can, you know, fall short and then because God is a loving God and you can ask for forgiveness, um, that's, that's what grace is. But for us to limit grace to that definition, we would be robbing God of the truth. Grace is beyond that. Wisdom is grace. Favor is grace. Speed is grace. Influence is grace. Amen? All of these things I'm mentioning here, the ability to perform signs and wonders is not because someone is more righteous than you. It's just an election of grace. How is it that in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7 and Romans chapter 12 also, we listen and we hear of how God gave a measure. A measure. Which means grace can be measured. We all love God. We all believe in Jesus. But the dimension or proportion of grace upon your life will not be the same as your neighbor. Amen? Grace is not the, the, the um, um, or the definition of grace is not only limited to the, the system that God works through in order for us to be, uh, or for him to um, achieve salvation for us. It's not only limited that. When we speak of grace, we're not only talking about just salvation. Amen? Grace, I'll define it for anyone that missed that, is the name given to every good and perfect gift that is given only by God, routed through the Christ. Like I said, wisdom is grace. Even faith is grace. Favor is grace. And according to Peter, this grace can be multiplied. What does that mean for us tonight? Because as I'm speaking, the Holy Spirit is helping you to search your heart. What where in your life, what's that area in your life where you know that you're lacking grace? Because lo and behold, the deficiencies that you find or you, you identify as having an expression in your life is a sign to you that there's a deficiency of grace in a particular area. Oftentimes, we are actually not aware because, you know, this thing we're speaking of here, grace, 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 you can't necessarily see it with your physical eyes. So we might be unaware, but I guarantee you that your problem, your challenge, your circumstance, is able to recognize that. What's that situation that you're going through, have been going through? I use the example of prayerlessness. Is that what you're, you're dealing with?
Is that what you're, you're, you're currently trying to strive and break your way through it? No, no, no. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by the Spirit of God. <laughs> your strength is not enough. Zeal is not enough, in fact. Desire is not enough in this kingdom. Is anyone hearing me at all? It's good. When I speak like this, I'm really not trying to say this is right, this is wrong. I'm just trying to, you know, when John had a, an encounter in the book of Revelations, it says, come up hither. In other words, come up higher. Don't ever be comfortable with where you're at in your walk. Amen? So God brings a word of this manner to help us climb higher. To help us understand that it was good when we had zeal. It was good when we were running on the wings of zeal. From the time we became born again, probably up until this moment. But then tonight you're hearing the word of the Lord and he's saying, come up hither, come up higher. Shift from depending on zeal all the days of your life and depend on grace. Is anyone understanding me? There are some things that zeal will help you to overcome. For sure. There are some things that zeal will help you to acquire. But in that same manner, there are some things that zeal has no ability to help you overcome or acquire. It takes the grace of God. It takes the grace of God. And it is by reason of this grace upon the lives of individuals that is able to show us the disparities in the results that we are able to achieve. This morning I was using this example of if you have two people <laughs> stand here right now and one is giving a testimony for instance and he says yesterday I spent um, two hours in prayer non-stop. But I knew you're sitting there and you're thinking, ish, last night me too, I prayed, you know. But my one, it lasted 10 minutes. And you're thinking, what's the difference between, as, far as, as long as I'm concerned, we both love God, we're all children of God. So what's the issue here? Is it because I backslided three weeks ago? So you begin to think, Ay, what happened three weeks ago that I did? Did I offend God? What did I do? Did my love for God come a bit lower? It's never about that. It's the grace of God. Amen? Yes. So, you know, and um, like I said, in Ephesians, that scripture I gave, Ephesians 4 verse 7, it talks about the measure of grace. But I want us to look at something here. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 8. Second Corinthians chapter 12 verse 8 and I'm, I'm arriving at the crux of my message tonight 2nd Corinthians chapter 12 verse 8 if you're there just say amen it says concerning this thing I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me what's Paul talking about here right exactly she said thorn 
when you when you read the 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 previous verses, you will quickly discover that Paul is making a reference to this thorn in his flesh, as the Bible puts it. Amen. What that is saying to us is that Paul was faced with a challenge, an infirmity, a situation that needed handling, it needed dealing with. He was faced with a circumstance, as we all do. And his way of making an attempt to overcome this situation was to seek the Lord. Sounds wise, right? It sounds like the normal thing you would do. Go to God and, and in prayer and ask him, God, what's going on here? So he's on the right track. But then it says, And he said to me in verse 9, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So that's God's response. Imagine you come to God, you list all your problems, and his response has... As in, in no way was it even addressing all the problems that you listed. You came with a, whole, a long list. Lord, this, this, da, 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 da. He didn't even address watching any one of them. He just said, my grace is sufficient. What's God saying there to Paul? He's saying there is a provision in me that pre-existed before time became time. And that provision is able to enable you to overcome every situation that you go through. This provision is called grace. How that his grace is sufficient. Tell your neighbor, his grace is sufficient. So God's answer to Paul was not that. Yes, Paul, I understand what you're saying. It wasn't even that, all right, Paul, you're delivered now. You know, none of that. He just simply said, my grace is sufficient. And for the longest of times, I I wondered, what does that mean? I came to you, I presented a problem. You're speaking some parable. Like you're, 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 you're speaking back to me very poetically. It sounds so cryptic because I need something that will show me (laughs) what to do. How many times have you gone to God and you've inquired of the Lord and you are looking for the A, B, C, Ds, the go left, go right, turn 180 degrees. You're looking for the exact things. (laughs) And then when when it happens to be that you don't witness the manifestation of your prayer. You now probably drift off into thinking that God has abandoned you. Or that God didn't even hear your prayers. Meanwhile, God has already said to us that his grace is sufficient. In other words, there is that provision already there. All you have to do is tap and ask for that grace. Ephesians chapter 1, all spiritual blessings, every single one of them, they've been given to us 
in heavenly places. Amen. These things have been given. They're there. The prayers we pray is not that now God is now going to come and now manufacture this something you're asking for. No. It's already there. Is it more insight into the word of God that you're looking for? Maybe for the past two months you've been trying to really study the word of God, but every now and then when you read it, you have a roadblock. You feel like you're not moving past that revelation that you've, you had three years ago. Amen? Once again, I ask tonight, is it because you don't love God? Is it because you backslided? And I'll answer that question. The answer is no. You just need grace. You need an enablement of the Spirit of God to help you push past your current level. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Your situation in life is a reflection of the sufficiency upon you. You know, before I even kind of speak about that, you know, I want to go back to the scripture I was reading, how that God's response to Paul was that my, my, my grace is sufficient for you. Then he says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Sometimes when, when we read this, these types of things, we can easily mistake that for, for God saying that, just endure this problem. Just go for it, you know? Suffer, suffer, just... You know? It's so easy to think that's what God was saying in the scripture. But it's not, it's, it's, it has nothing to do with endurance. It's not about enduring the, this challenging situation that you're facing. There are moments for that, mind you. Moments where God will orchestrate a sequence of events and circumstances just to bring you to a point where you are molded, where he takes out all the excesses that you you brought with you into this kingdom. God has to filter all those things out, of course. Sometimes that will come by refining. <laughs> I know most people don't like to hear these things, but this is me, I, I, I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. Moments of refinement, where God will purify you. It's very necessary. But despite all of that, God is saying there is a grace that he has already made available which is sufficient for him. So it's not about provision. I mean, it's not about endurance. It's that there's already a provision made available. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. This will be one of the last scriptures that I touch on. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. The Bible says, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, might have an abundance for every good work. And God is able. Tell your neighbor, God is able. How many of you believe that? You really believe that? That God is able. That no matter the challenges you're going through, 
no matter how high that mountain looks like, that God is able to bring that mountain right down to its knees. That no matter how it may seem as if there's no way around this mountain, that God is able to make a way in the desert. How is it that in a land of barrenness, in a bleak, desolate circumstance, this God that we serve is able to, 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 to fashion a way. You know, there's this song. This song we sing. You made a way. You know? When our backs were against the wall, and it looked as if it was over. You made a way. And we're standing here only because you made, you made, you backs were against the wall and it looked as if it was over you someone's receiving the answer to that prayer we've been praying for the last three months and we're standing here only because you made you move mountains you cause walls to with your power. You perform miracles. There is nothing that's impossible. And we're standing only because you. You move mountains, you move mountains. You cause walls to fall with your power. You perform miracles. There is nothing that's impossible. And we're standing here only because you. And we're standing, and we're standing here only because you. And we're standing, and we're standing here only because you. What that song is saying is, this is a God who is able to make a way where there is no way. It don't matter how bleak that situation may look. My friend, my brother, my sister, hear the voice of God tonight. That God is able. You said you believe that, right? That God is able to make a way where there is no way. As I'm speaking, just for a few seconds, just look at your life. 
I want you to confront that situation. How about that? Look into your situation now. You can close your eyes if you want to. You don't need to look at me. You know? But just look at the circumstance that you've even given up on. You've, you've, you've kind of handed it over to the world. You've handed it over to some, someone else because you feel like you don't have the ability to, to deal with the situation. I want you to confront that situation now. And the moment that situation comes into your mind, I want you to begin to speak to that situation. That the God you serve is able to make a way through. Not around. God is not a God that avoids the situation. He doesn't avoid the difficulty. Please understand this. God doesn't avoid challenges. He wants to prove to you that as bleak as it may look, he is more than able to make a way through that challenge. Not around it, no. I repeat. He is more than able to make a way through that challenge. The moment you capture this problem, this challenge, just begin to speak. You know, just declare something. Just declare something. You know, let the power of your words really come over that situation and declare the grace of God upon that circumstance that from tonight God will make a way where there is no way I don't know who I'm talking to I didn't come here with that emphasis on my heart but this is what I'm feeling as I'm standing here God is able to make a way where there is no way I don't know who's given up who's lost hope someone here maybe a few people you've literally come to the point where you've said alright this is it but please understand, God is able. God is able. spirit to take control over the service entirely because I'm really struggling to preach at this moment in time. I just want to share one final thing. It says all grace, God is able to make all grace abound to you. In other words, there is no possibility in God that you don't have access to also. You've witnessed and observed someone be able to do it and you've disqualified yourself that maybe this is not for you. No, my brother, my sister, it is for you also. It is also for you. Someone has academic brilliance. They're very intelligent. They don't even need to revise in order to, to get flying marks. But you, you're always grinding and you've been observing this person very closely and you think, Father, Lord, what must I do? To be able to, to just get a first. <laughs> what must I do, Lord? Is it because God loves that person more than you? 
Or is it be, it's never because of those things. You need grace. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16, the Bible says how we ought to look in confidence to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy in times of need. So there's a part that we play. The fact that it's available doesn't mean that you have it. You make it become yours when you pull it down through prayer. That's when it becomes yours. Someone, your close friend, you know, you've seen your close friend be a very influential person. Meanwhile, they haven't given no talks anywhere. And you've been thinking, but we all, we all grew up together. In fact, we grew up in the same neighborhood. But how comes this person is, seems like the whole world wants to hear his or her voice. What's going on there? They didn't even do anything. But people <laughs> find it necessary to, to, to extract something from this individual. Don't disqualify yourself. I think I said that last week also. Don't disqualify yourself when God hasn't disqualified you. There is grace available to bring you to that level. If you believe that, say amen. amen. It's never that you're... Let me phrase it this way. Every time you are in need, every time you're in need, it's not that you're in need of that very particular thing. No. It's never that you're in need of money. You might be in need of money, but that's actually not what you're actually in need of. Whenever you find yourself in need, whatever it may be, understand tonight that you're actually not in need of that, that thing. What you need is grace. You need something from heaven to come upon you as it will do in a few minutes from now, that it will able, be able to empower you in such a manner that that situation will become as if it never existed in your life. Show me, I said this, this show me someone who can buy whatever they want to in this lifetime because they're rich using money. And I can show you another person who has the favor of God upon their lives who will be able to buy twice as much as that person that bought that thing with money. In this kingdom, favor is a currency. Beyond grace, favor is a currency. Just find one man that likes you, one woman that, that, that reverences you, um, 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 appreciates what you do for them or just appreciates you just in general and they will be at your mercy to provide for all your needs without you even uttering a word is it because of something you did? not necessarily it's the grace of God how that you might not even recognize it yourself but your colleague somewhere your friend somewhere Five years down the line after you've both graduated, they see you somewhere. You both came up from the same struggle. But years down the line, they see you. You don't, you don't speak one word, but they're willing to provide for all your needs. 
What happened there? Is it because you did something? Not at all. It takes the grace of God. If you believe that, say amen. amen. And there's a reason why we must have this thing upon our lives. Because when, when grace comes upon your life, you know, the, 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 we must desire for it to bear much fruit in our lives. It's not enough just to desire things. It's not enough just to... Because you've been telling people that you're a Christian and that your God is a God of restoration. Amen? You've been telling your non-believer friends that I serve a mighty God. I serve a great God. He, he restores and so forth and so on. Meanwhile, they are not seeing any evidence. Anything that can compel them to believe that this God is indeed a mighty God. And so what grace then does is it comes upon your life and by reason of you having upon your life, God is able to cause um, um, or allow fruits to be bared in, in you and through your, your, your life that everyone around you will be able to witness that fruit and testify to the glory of God. What am I saying? The word that we speak, it must become flesh. Last scripture, John chapter 1. Verse 14. John chapter 1, verse 14. John 1, 14. Are we there? It says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. And then what happened? Let's read that bracket bit in together. Three, two, one, go. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Before God can be glorified, the word must become flesh. Tell your neighbor. Before God can be glorified, the word must become flesh. You said your God is a God of mercy. You've been telling people this for a long time. He's a God of perseverance, a long-suffering God, and all the other attributes you associate to him. Meanwhile, Whenever they look at your life and how you deal with people, they're not able to see that manifest in your life. Does that mean you're an evil person? Not necessarily. Does that mean you don't love God? Does that mean you are lying? Not necessarily. It might not always be the case. You just need the grace of God to enable you to love people even when they're hurting you. It takes grace. Please understand this. It takes grace to love someone when all they're doing is hurting you. You can't do that in your own human strength. You need the grace of God. And you, we need to be doing these things because God has commanded us to do so. Love your neighbor as yourself. We're expected to do these things. So it's not something that we can be saying, oh, I'll leave that one out. I'll miss that one. Maybe let me try something else. It takes grace. It takes grace to be merciful, to forgive even when, oh my goodness, 
when it seems as if there's, there's no reason to forgive this person. And then God is impressing upon your heart. No, no, just let it go. You're thinking, but Lord, how am I going to let this one go? And then he's saying back to you, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. What have you been battling? Is it, is it even an addiction? What is it? What is it that you've just kind of thrown up there saying, all right, I don't think I can do with this one anymore. You've been suffering with it for a long time. You don't know how you overcome that, but God tonight, and I am, I am struggling to preach right now, but God is saying that his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. Let's rise and pray. Let's rise and pray.